Well, the Badlands are my stomping grounds The little Missouri's my spread There'll never be another place I'll ever rest my head Cause I come from North Dakota And bigger, better country you can't find Welcome to the Film North Dakota podcast, brought to you by the North Dakota Film and Media Association. I'm your host, Matt Fern, a filmmaker in Bismarck, North Dakota. Today's guest is Justin Deegan. Justin is a writer, director, editor, cinematographer, photographer, and the founder of Thunder Revolution Studio, located in Stanton, North Dakota. Justin has worked with big brands like Adidas, Vice, and HBO, and his short films have been shown in film festivals around the country. Justin, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me. First, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background becoming a filmmaker? Yeah, um, so I'm. My ancestry is uh, I'm I'm a Rickera and I'm Oglala and Hunkpapa, which is Sioux, and of course a Rickera. But uh, I, I I'm from the Fort Berthold MHA Nation. Um, I grew up in Partial, North Dakota, and my background in film just sort of happened out of um, sheer will to make native films. And, uh, and it all goes back to when I, I was living in New York, um, a director that I used to work with from Fargo would send me casting calls out in Long Island and throughout the New York area. Um, my director was uh, Larry Schwartz from Moorhead, Minnesota. I did community theater over there. And after I moved, you know, he really believed in me and really encouraged me to audition for films. So when I was out there, I landed a role for the first audition I ever did. And I was really excited. And long story short, they made the movie without me. And I imagine that they sank every dollar they had into that project. And it was a short that was supposed to be shot in South Dakota. Filmmaker was from New York. And I waited for a couple months because initially we were supposed to start production right away. And I waited and waited. And so finally I was calling and looking and searching for the production house. And I found it and discovered that they had went out of business. And so one day um, I was, I didn't know what else. I was like, well, this is really horrible, you know, for me and for the production company. And then I found out that they had made the film. My mom calls me from North Dakota and she says, uh, what do you, when are you going to start production? And I said, uh, they made the movie without me. <laughs> And we were, we were both dead silent for a few seconds, which seemed like 20 minutes. And uh, that's when she said, well, what are you going to do? And I, was, I just waited a couple of beats and I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own movie. And, and that's what began that process of, of developing and creating story ideas. I realized that if I wanted to um, be in a movie, I would have to create the stuff myself. And I became more and more, it became more and more relevant that it was important to create stories that were, that were putting us in modern day roles. I mean, we had some amazing stuff and content that was being created at the time, um, but I, there was, wasn't really anything that was representative of what was happening now and in modern context. And so I wrote a short film called Concrete 49, and it's about, uh, a young man's journey through the city of New York on his way to an audition. And on his journey, he runs into these natives that were just, you know, street performing, panhandling. And that was the story 
and I actually shot it in 2013, but never released it because the audio in some areas is really horrible. But it just have some really amazing cinematic stuff. But um, I had the idea on my way to the audition that I had won a role for, but I never really realized that on that journey, I had the story that was developing. And on my actual journey to that audition downtown New York, I walked through um, Times Square and downtown there was a small marching band. I'm not kidding. There was a kid with a huge tuba, another guy with a gigantic bass drum, all these kids with instruments just jamming on the street corner. And then that's when I had the idea, you know what would be really cool? If there were some natives with hand drums in Times Square just jamming, you know. And so after I had had the conversation with my mother, she was she said, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm just going to make my own movie. And I wrote that story about me going to my audition. But fictionally speaking, you know, they're having, there's, there's a group of hand drummers in Times Square jamming. And uh, we actually shot that in Times Square. And it was really cool because um, several years later when we shot that scene, it, we shut down traffic. Like, there, everybody was stopping to look and see what was happening. But uh, it, it was really, really cool. It was it was amazing experience. And uh, I learned about production firsthand because I had never made a film up to that point. And I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and I was nervous and I was scared. But I did it anyway, you know. And uh, we have some amazing content still to this day, but we just have to figure out a way to, to re, you know, reimagine it. So I am in the process of cutting that and I'm going to eventually release something that's much shorter instead of having the track of, of, a, of a young person going to his audition. It's just going to be these individual stories of indigenous people in pockets of New York City. That's a great story, and that's uh, a really good reminder. And I think the the key to to good filmmaking is to tell tell your own story. The best movies are always like the most personal, and uh, that's that's so cool that your film career started with that necessity to tell your story. That kind of leads into the your company, Thunder Revolution Studio. The tagline you have for that is an indigenous lens for an indigenous narrative. Where did that come from, and what does that mean to you? That line comes from um years and years of watching films uh, i'm i'm i love films um i grew up in a single parent household uh raised by my mother you know she worked two or three jobs to make ends meet for to provide for me to provide a home for us and uh you know sometimes you know we couldn't afford a babysitter but for me my babysitters were films um we had uh, didn't have HBO. We had this other channel called the Movie Channel, in part, growing up in partial. And uh, I would watch films like uh, Raging Bull uh, as a kid, mind you. <laughs> Scarface, <laughs> Scarface, uh, The Deer Hunter. But I, I thought movies were all that good. I thought all of them were amazing, and uh, I believed those characters. In, in who they actually were. And, and, and I believe that those people were actually those people because they were so convincing. And um, that's where I started to see these performances out of people. And I started to recognize what really, really amazing acting was. And 
watching films through the years and seeing uh, representation or non-representation in film was really uh, sort of detrimental and, and disheartening for, for me growing up. That's when, you know, because of this lack of representation, the representation that was being portrayed on film was poor, I, uh, I started to see things differently at a young age. And it wasn't until my first introduction of Bruce Lee that I began to realize that there are other heroes around the world that were similar to me. And those are the people that I gravitated to, you know, somebody who was positive and somebody who was just badass, you know. And um, I, I really, really, that, that really resonated with me. But I couldn't put it into words. I couldn't contextualize what it was. But that's because of, of Bruce Lee's lens. Because of his lens, he was able to tell his own narrative and, and make himself the hero. Um, that's when I was really started, starting to form this ideation of what representation was and what, what the, the storyteller can do to effectively tell a story about people and, and, and really make them the heroes and the heroines, you know. That, that's what um, really motivated me to, to start thinking differently. And um, but even you see native representation in films back in the 70s and 80s, the majority of them were non-native people playing native roles. You know, you know, Billy Jack and, <laughs> you know, Charles Bronson, you know, all these really great actors. But, you know, they were they were native, you know. And so that's when I thought it would be great to really formulate that lens for the narrative. And so through the years, that's how it was really developing and how I flushed that, that catchphrase out, the model for, the, for my film, Thunder Revolution Studio, is that it's an indigenous lens for indigenous narratives. Yeah. There's still a long way to go um, to get Native American representation uh, in media. And so uh, that's what I love about your work. It's a very modern and authentic look. So uh, what type of gear do you mainly shoot with? Um, do you rent out a lot of stuff, or do you have kind of your own arsenal? Um, well, I, I try to get my own stuff. Um, I, I started out with the Canon, you know, bodies, uh, DSLRs. Um, the, I use the 5D, Canon 5D Mark III quite frequently. A lot of the, the Canon lenses. Um, and then I sort of gravitated to the Sony a7 III. Um, and that's just an amazing camera. Just crisp and clean image. But now I gravitated to the, the uh, Sony FS5 Mark II, and I have the the 4K RAW output, and um, and then that, of course that that's you know ProRes 422, and just that's an incredible setup, man. And and for the affordability and what I'm able to do with that in terms of having to spend an additional fifteen to thirty thousand dollars, I'm gonna go to gravitate towards something a lot more affordable like the FS5 Mark II with the 4K raw output. So I use that quite a bit. Um, uh, drones, uh, Phantom 4, um, the Mavic Pro 2 with Hasselblad lens, um, anything that's going to get me the closest to actual 4K footage is what I, I use the most. I don't tend to go over 4K because that's just so much metadata and storage capacity that, you know, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me because 
everything out there, even when we're streaming uh, or, or on cable TV, everything is 720 anyway. And nobody buys 4K actual physical media anymore. It's all, you know, streamed through the internet. So nothing goes actual 4K. It's just all 1020 at the highest, you know. You've been making media in North Dakota for a long time. You've worked on some big productions, uh, independent productions, documentary productions. What are some things you've learned about making video in North Dakota? Are there any unique challenges or advantages of film and video here? Well, I think a lot of the the unique opportunities that are in North Dakota, um, are, we don't have a film commission per se, you know? Um, so there's not really you know, those things that, that sort of hinder your production capacity of, of having to go out and get permits and establishing perimeters and all that other stuff. That makes it easier to, to produce a project. However, there really aren't incentives to bring those entities to North Dakota to increase the value, production value of your actual project. There's no tax incentives. I mean, they do tax incentives for oil companies. I don't pay taxes at all, you know, but, you know, there's all these things that are really interesting and odd, you know, occurrences within the state in terms of, you know, really trying to bring tax dollars to the region. So I think that's really interesting. Um, and challenge wise, you know, one of the challenges, you know, because of so much development, everything's sort of flat in different areas, you know, you want to, say you want to shoot a, a period film like a western of some sort i mean there's power lines everywhere <laughs> you know there's there's you know coal fire plants that you can't really i mean you can digitally erase them from projects but i mean those things are, are that makes it challenging to do and there's you know there's just all these little things that really kind of make a difficult project the wind is crazy um when you're shooting outdoors i've been working with uh the Northern Pledge Heritage Areas and the um, Fort Abraham Lincoln Foundation, National Park Service as well. And uh, a lot of the stuff that we do is outdoors. <laughs> so I had to run out and get a blimp, you know, with a huge wind cat to deaden the wind sound and everything. So that really makes a big difference. But that, that came through trial and error. <laughs> um, and the other thing is we don't have a, a, an a, really an acting union of sorts to draw from a pool of actors and actresses. Um, and the ones that are available, the majority of them are non-native and the ones that we are looking for, say for an acting role or a gig, you know, we just go out to this general Facebook open casting call to get the native roles. And so that that's a challenging part, you know, that I, that we could change but uh, other than that there's i mean there's other things the production dollars and all these different things that are also play factors into to work in north dakota justin uh, to close things up it's kind of a two-part question what advice would you give to other native american filmmakers who want to make media in north dakota and what advice would you give to non-natives um, on how they can help um, tell those stories cool well the first part I would just encourage uh, Native people who want to make films, who are have a passion for it, is just to make films um, and watch films. Just watch as much as you can. 
because uh, those are other people's stories and those are other people's ideas of what, how they view things, how they view life. Um, and just absorb as much as you can. And when an opportunity presents itself to be on a production, even if it's a production assistant or a driver or something, take it, try it out, you know, because it could lead to other things. It could lead to other amazing opportunities and experiences. And you eventually start to work your way up. Um, for me, I, I just dove right in. You know, I, I wanted to do this and I didn't know what to do. And I did it anyway. And I learned from that experience. And every single time is a, is a new learning experience because there are never similar experiences. Um, and so those are learning opportunities to further uh, enhance your, your skills and your output, your capacity in the long run for other future projects. And then the projects, they hopefully start to get bigger and bigger, you know, and, and that's what I really encourage you to do. And, and, to, and as, as natives, to watch films about Native people, whether they're made by Natives and, or made by non-Natives, because you, you start to see how that lens um, affects the narrative. And, and the majority of the time, it's not very positive, but there are times where the, where the narrative is extremely positive. So that's when you can identify who those people are that you can talk about who those those non-native allies are. You could say, this is the person that I know that I want to work with because I know that they'll help me make the story that I want to make. And then that's how those partnerships begin. That's how those partnerships are formed. Um, I was fortunate to work on a project with you uh, on the Pharrell Williams Adidas Human Project. And that was an amazing experience because a lot of the people that were on that crew were and have become allies for me. And, you know, those are all people that I have worked with or people that um, have opened doorways for me to work with other people that want to make films about Native people. And, and that's what I would encourage is to look for those folks and for the non-Native person who wants to help out you know, to do the same thing, to search for those people who are making those effective stories also. All right, well, that's, that's really great advice, Justin. I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. Where can people connect with you and learn more about Thunder Revolution Studio? Well, I don't really have a Facebook presence. I mean, I have a page, but I don't really use it too much. So right now, the, thing, the two things that I'm using are Vimeo and uh, Instagram. So my Instagram is just simply at Thunder Revolution with two R's. And then my Vimeo is uh, Thunder Revolution Studio. Well, thanks so much, Justin, for your time. And uh, I can't wait to see more of what you create. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Film North Dakota podcast, brought to you by the North Dakota Film and Media Association. If you want to learn more or connect with other filmmakers in North Dakota, check us out online at filmnd.org. I'm Matt Fern. Thanks for tuning in and keep making movies in North Dakota. Well, I come from North Dakota, where the sun shines brighter and the country's wider than the sky. I come from.